Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. A whole lot can change in just 24 hours. For instance, yesterday I was uh, not able to eat meat. Today I can. Uh, yesterday, some of you might have wondered, I wonder if he or she loves me. Well, they might have told you one way or the other if they loved you or not. And another thing that can change in just 24 hours, Ray, is yesterday you and I can be sitting here and we're saying how great of a time it is to be a Baltimore mm -hmm. Oriole fan and right. everything's going to be up and up and people are fired up and all the youth and excitement. Corbin Burns, new owner, re-upping at Camden Yards. Well, today, Ray, it's a little different because now real life has uh, intruded upon the Orioles party. Uh, they've got injuries already to begin the season. <laughs> yeah, they do. My lady loves me, Kyle, for the people that are able to watch. You could tell. Oh, I can't. You can't see it. Oh, that's a green because it's a green screen behind me. Yeah, yeah. It's a green, green hula. Green it works, Ray. Yeah, it really does. Look at that. Green hula. So she loves me because clearly you don't get someone a bobblehead shark unless you really love them. Yeah, it's a floating shark when you hold it up against Yeah, the right? We got a ghost here on the show. Uh, but yeah, that's that news. And, and we get this, right? Because everyone reports and then they finally talk to the press. They've obviously teams know about these things, but we don't as a public know about that. Orioles are in some trouble, Kyle, as they say. And uh, a horrible, horribly depressing start. They already lost Felix Batista for the season with his arm yeah. issue. And now we got a whole cavalcade of significant injuries to start things here in spring. Yeah, the, the old saying, Ray, is uh, if, if you want to make God laugh, just tell them what your plans are. And, and that's kind of happening to the Orioles. They, they had plans. They had big plans. And now the baseball gods are laughing at those plans. So we will talk about the Orioles. And, and again, we haven't even started spring training. And the injuries are uh, starting to pile up for the Orioles. What else do we got for you today? Well, other injuries. <laughs> Seriously. It's, it's February and we're already dealing with this stuff, which is going to cause Ray Flowers to have to adjust his top you know pitching list and i didn't have time to do it this morning there were so many changes to me and i'm like i just gotta do it after the show well you'll have time well right here's the thing in the next hour something else is going uh, to happen. Yeah. as soon as i get it done yeah. something else will happen yeah. yeah uh good news when all these injuries are happening with pitchers there's one guy named jake Degrom who's actually got positive news with an injury maybe we'll talk about that team preview will uh, keep us in the american league east baltimore yesterday today we will talk over the boston red sox who uh yesterday i was maybe a little rude to boston um kind of said they were quit I, I i looked a little more deeply as we're getting set for the team preview ray and and they're not they got players there's a lot of one way or the other kind of players mm -hmm. uh maybe some post hype or post-interest kind of players. I, so maybe it's not doomed for 70 wins, but uh, we'll see how it works out for him this year. I, I was yeah. rough on him yesterday. Well, I mean, I'm sure the fans are rougher than you were because there's a lot of discontent there, especially when you see your brothers up the coast, whatever, spending gazillions of dollars yeah. and all this kind of stuff. But that's a proud organization. You know, it's one of those things that they're in a little bit of a lull here, but you know, you get a couple of couple of guys coming out of nowhere, make a signing that we still there's still players available to be signed. I don't know if they'll do it, right? But there's still guys out there. You never know, but it's looking like a season that 500 is a good target for the Red Sox. So we'll take a look at the uh, Red Sox, kind of dig into the fantasy assets there, including a, a player profile from the mound. For
for Boston that Ray's going to hit us with. Uh, Ray will also give us the importance of launch angle as we continue to spotlight a few articles from the uh, Fantasy Guru Baseball Draft Guide. That is available, and we'll tell you how you can get your hands on it here in just a bit. Uh, we will continue our discussion of third basemen this week. We will focus on a specific third baseman because if you look at the rankings at third base, you're going to see very familiar and expected names. And then I'm guessing for a lot of you out there, you're seeing the name Royce Lewis and you're saying, what? Is 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 he a 30-30 guy? Did he, did he win the rookie of the year last year? What? Who is Royce Lewis? Well, we will tell you who Royce Lewis is because he is one of those guys. We, we have this every year. Start looking at rankings like, really? This guy is that high? Uh, Royce Lewis appears to be one of those guys at third base. Got some news on the pitching front. Edward Cabrera of the Marlins, always an enticing arm, could be on the move. And we'll even sneak in some NFL talk. Uh, San Francisco, who uh, had a pretty good defense this year, fired their D coordinator. So we'll see what uh, is next for San Francisco. Before all of that, let's see what's next for you, the viewer, you, the follower, and hopefully you, the subscriber. Uh, to Fantasy Guru and the season-long baseball coverage draft guide and the whole season raid. Tell us how we can get it. Yeah, you can go to the website right now. Click on that Join Now tab in the top hand right-hand corner of the page. Uh, go to the MLB site. You can see the link there on the page, too. Uh, if you're watching the video with us, uh, use that promo code FSD20, FSD20. That gives you 20% discount on the early bird pricing. I don't know when the early bird pricing changes. I'm like Jeff Manns. Like one day I wake up and it changed. I don't know. <laughs> it's going to go up at some point. So right now it's $50. Use the promo code FSD20. You get a 20% discount. Knocks it down to $40. That gets you all the rankings that are updated throughout the season. That gets you all the articles. That gets you access to Discord to ask your questions 24-7. That gets you access to everything we do, whether it's an article, whether it's a, a, a podcast, whatever it might be. FSD20 gets you that uh, product. And then don't forget, we also have the other products. We got the football offseason product for $19.99. You can cover mm -hmm. all the offseason moves. It helps you with all the, the pro profiles and looks up to the draft. So we have that available if you still got some football itch to scratch. And then, of course, we've got the all in NBA package, which includes NHL, obviously NBA, college basketball, PGA, uh, MMA, soccer, and racing. And that's on huge discount. That's only $75 for like those seven sports. So lots of ways to get involved. Remember the promo code FSD20 and the baseball product. Get it right now. It's now through the World Series. And uh, speaking of auto racing, uh, Daytona 500 is on Sunday. I was talking to our friend Rich Maletto, who uh, is really digging into the NASCAR coverage, has for a couple of years now with Fantasy Guru. Love having Rich on. And we've talked football. Uh, with Rich. He's going to join us tomorrow to talk a little Daytona 500. So Ray mentions the uh, racing uh, package. Uh, it is part of uh, all the sports there and uh, certainly with a new season starting and it is a very popular DFS sport. I uh, can maybe gain an edge. We'll talk to Rich tomorrow. We'll have more on that coming up in the show. Uh, let's begin with uh, where we want to begin a spot we began with yesterday. Uh, we started with Baltimore. Ray, we start with Baltimore again, but unlike yesterday where it was, you know, peaches and cream yeah uh today it's kind of you know hell on earth uh maybe that, that's that's too extreme it's it's um we got injuries let, let, let me lay out the injuries then we'll go one by one right kyle bradish sprained ucl um almost certain well is certain they're already saying he's gonna start the year on the il yeah. uh john means who uh came back last year from, from tommy john surgery had a cameo in september um he's now struggling to get ready for opening day 
Gunnar Henderson is less than 100% as they arrive in Florida. Catching prospect Samuel Basalo, who, when you have Adley Rauschman, it's not like Basalo is, you know, a guy people are drafting just because he's totally blocked, but he's certainly a trade ship. And who knows, you know, if something were to happen to Rauschman, um, he's got a broken elbow. So four guys, Ray, who are all fairly important to the bottom line, you know, the current and the future, the pitching and the hitting, uh, the hitting and the defense. This is all thrown together and it all comes out at once. The big one is Kyle Bradish. Uh, now, Ray, I'm going to take my victory lap. I told everybody yesterday, <laughs> stay away from this guy. <laughs> you did, Kyle. Okay. I did. And and Ray, less than, this is maybe the uh, most spot-on prediction I've ever had. Like, I was right. But with the sprained UCL, Ray, and with 22 the idea, hours, Kyle. Less than a that? day in your – it was only 22 hours. It was less than a day <laughs> and you were right. Yeah. Sometimes you're just too damn good. I get it. Um with the sprained UCL and with the fact that we are, what are we, seven weeks away from opening day, roughly seven, eight weeks, whatever it is, they are already saying he's out for like seven, eight weeks. Huh? Like he's going to start the year on the aisle. They are saying that. Right. Right. In a perfect world, he's rehabbing in early April, I guess. I don't know. But like April's very iffy at all for Kyle Bradish. So, I mean, he has gone like yesterday. He probably would have been. SP3 for mm-hmm. people. Yep. Now, Ray, is he an SP6 or 7? Is that what this news yep. does to him? This news is just breaking. So I'd love to get more information. And so my next statement is based upon what we know right now. But based upon what we know right now, I'm in agreement with you. I think a best case scenario is 25 starts. That's a best case scenario. He has the UCL issue. And for those people that you know are behind or they don't know their, you know, the, the anatomy of the human body. The UCL is the ligament in the elbow that goes, and then you have Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Okay. So when <laughs> the UCL, when you have this injury, it's a precursor. Right. And it's not always okay, yeah. but very frequently it is. Um, he's already had a PRP injection, which is you know platelet rich. You know they stick a shot in there, they they circulate your blood and stick it back in there. That sometimes works. Sometimes that buys you some time. Sometimes it doesn't help at all. Yeah. So. When you say Cal Bradish best case scenario is, is missing April, which is what we're assuming at the moment, and he's making 25 starts this year, that's a best case scenario. That 25 starts could be 18. It could be zero. Like he could he could legitimately not throw a pitch this season because of this injury. Now that's going to the other extreme, but those are kind of where we're at. We have zero starts on one side and we have 25 on the other. Mm-hmm. That's not good. And so like you're saying, SP6, I mean, again, I'll update the rankings later today at fantasyguru.com, but I, I don't even know if he's a six now. Yeah, well, there's and, so much risk. And if you put him at the six, it's kind of just hedging. Because, yeah. Ray, honestly, I bet I can find guys that wherever you rank John Means, whatever you – or excuse me, wherever you rank um, Kyle Bradish later today, yep. I, I bet I will find guys, Ray, who I'd rather have than Kyle Bradish with this news. You know, and, and maybe even guys that are 10, 15 spots behind Kyle Bradish. I, I was – you know, fairly negative coming into the season. Not, not that I hated the guy or I would never draft him. Remember, we had to say a guy we'd avoid. He's the guy I chose. I got a lot of good things on Baltimore. He had a great year last season, but he's the guy I would choose. So, so Ray, I, I was kind of cool to the idea of Bradish as is. And now with this injury, the reality says it, it, we're not talking 25 starts. You're right. I mean, maybe there's a 5 10% chance of that. But, like, if you were to say, what's got a better than 50% chance? It, it probably is 20 starts are four. 
know, for our lower, you know, for Kyle Bradish. I I think for the most part, Ray, now I'm totally not touching him. And, you know, I, I was thinking that, and this happened last night too. Uh, and I'll just encourage everyone to do the following. When you read an article at fantasyguru.com, because there's thousands of articles at fantasyguru.com. When you read an article, check the date. Because someone came at me and said, well, why is this guy ranked here in this? And it's like, because the article was written two weeks before we had an injury on the news injury information. Like, mm -hmm. I wish, I really do wish that I could go back and update every article. I can't. There's too much going on. I can't go back and update an article I wrote six weeks ago. Like, I, I just can't. Yeah. So we have to use some, some of our understanding of when an article was written. I'm not missing significant injuries, right? It's just that the article comes out at a certain time. And I, I, I'm thinking to myself, though, I think I put Bradish in a, a picture of the Target article that I wrote last week. <laughs> I'm going to go and, and again, I didn't have time because everything was, I'm going to go look this morning to make sure, because I know there'll be someone out there that didn't hear the news or they drafted them. But, you know, understand that the rankings themselves are always updated. So check the date on the article because you might be coming, you might just have joined today and thank you. You might be reading an article that's three weeks old now. Check the date on the articles and understand that the, the rankings are always updated and that's always your best bet if you're wondering uh, where player ranks. You can always ask the question, of course, in Discord as well. Bradish is the big news here again with the UCL injury. And uh, again, they're saying already uh, opening day, he's going to be on the IL. So plan accordingly. Do not touch as far as I'm concerned. John Means is also dealing something, Ray. And it's not official that he will start the year on the IL, but this is a player coming off uh, Tommy John who's thrown 31 innings in two years. Yeah. And you know, we like to think you're back, you're back. You know, Walker Bueller, he's going to be back. He's going to be Walker Bueller. That's what everybody's expecting, right? You know, they, they may limit his innings, but Walker Bueller is going to come back and still be the same old, same old. We got to understand, Ray, it's not perfect. And John Means is, is kind of a reminder of this, uh, that you have setbacks or the elbow never builds up its strength or it keeps having reactions every time you kind of turn things loose. And we don't know for certain that it's the elbow, but these are actually kind of natural situations that occurred what john means is dealing with right now is in effect going to keep him ray from ramping up in spring training they're going to have to take it really slow you've got this news on bradish so the orioles they, they kind of need means more they're going to take it even slower he's a true question mark for opening day and you know he wasn't being drafted like bradish was a day ago but ray i think there were plenty of people said oh you know john means i'll take him in the reserve round mm -hmm. he'll be my sp6 that's probably off the board for me now, too. I Again, there are just other guys who are going to be ready to go on opening day, or they're going to be rookies who, uh, you know, are, are going to make two or three starts in AAA, and then I think they're going to be called up. Give me those guys over somebody like John Means now. Yeah, John Means was not a total flyer if he's healthy coming into the season, but he was kind of in that zone anyway. So this news, I agree with you, this removes him. Means becomes an in-season pickup if mm -hmm. things are going well for him. Uh, if you're in an A-only league, fine. In a mixed league, he's just not worth drafting at this point. You've got to go in a different direction. Um, you know, so that leaves potentially multiple spots uh, in this rotation for the Orioles, Kyle, that we don't even necessarily know for sure who's going to start for him this year. They do have a couple of options. They've got Cole Irvin and Tyler Wells, two veterans that have started, including last year, right? So th those are probably the guys they would lean toward. We're hearing the name Jake Rill as well a youngster that might have a chance. So the Orioles could also go out and sign. I was just talking to Phil Backer before the show. Maybe Michael Lorenzen or some veteran, they make a move, yeah. some low-level cost to, to give them some depth at the start. But they're going to have to piece this together. And like you're saying, 24 hours ago, we certainly didn't think that was the case. Well, honestly, somebody like Joel, uh, um, Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell are looking at their chops, right? 
Because because I mean, Bradish was seen as a guy, you know, if everything was the plan mm-hmm. was 180 innings, right? That was the plan. Yep. Now we may not get to 120, and we may be missing all 180. You just yep. don't know. And so now the Orioles, who are built to win, kind of now after last season, obviously the window is just opening for them. But maybe they make that move for one of those guys. The problem is you're stuck with Blake Snell for five more years after this, and Jordan Montgomery probably four more or three more years after this. Um, and you're dealing with Scott Boris now, who loves this news. He's about the only guy who's happy about this news, I think, is, is that now there's a needy team. You mentioned Wells and Irvin. I'll just say it, Ray. Who cares? You know, as far as both those guys were actually a part of this rotation mm-hmm. at points last season. Mm-hmm. I, I remember taking a couple of flyers on Irvin for like a, I remember one specifically against Oakland. You know, the Oakland A's, who the hell do I have to be fear? And, and Cole Irvin got rocked by Oakland. So that was just but one example, but it's one that stings, you know, 10 months later. Right. Uh, but neither of these guys interest me, even if they make the rotation here with yeah. I'm I'm looking at available pitchers, and it's like, you know, Julio Tehran, Johnny <laughs> Cueto, Noah Syndergaard, uh, you know, Mike Clevenger, Lorenzen, who I mentioned. I, those Zach, aren't terrible. Those aren't Zach, terrible. Zach Granke, like these are guys that probably can get a one-year – Five, eight million dollars, you know, so it's not like you're investing. If Johnny Cueto was willing to play one year for three million, sign me up. Yeah. Just see what the hell we get. Like, And and it's nothing that he brings to the table. He's just kind of a tough dude to hit on occasion. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely something they could do. And it probably makes sense for them to do that. Right. Because like you're saying, well, Tyler Wells is really interesting because he does a lot of things well, but he also gives up so many damn home runs, so many fly balls and home runs. So you just never know. And Cole Urban is the definition of a journeyman, right? He's he's the guy that can throw you some innings, but he doesn't stand out. So. You know, maybe they do something like that because, uh, you know, for all of the prospects they have, most of the prospects that we're super excited about are on the hitting side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Basalo, the catcher, who, you know, again, has no spot with Ali Rushman. He's a top 20 prospect in all of baseball, according to MLB Pipeline. All of it. He's arguably the number one catching prospect in the game that we haven't seen at the big league level. And he's got the fractured elbow. So, yeah, this is they're going to have to do something and they probably will. I I don't think they go the Snell Montgomery route, but that certainly would be a boost for a team that's listening right now. Yeah, I don't think they go that route without knowing for certain. Now, if they know for certain that they're not going to have Bradish for the year, maybe they go that route. But the thing is, you're making a commitment well beyond this year. Yeah. You know, you're now making commitments of close to 20 million bucks for the next three or four years. And I don't know that either of those guys are guys you want to commit that money to if you're the Orioles. Because three, four years from now, you know, Gunnar Henderson's wanting a new deal. And all Adley Rauschman's wanting a new deal. And you're dealing with guys who are just ready to make money now. All these other prospects as well. So I, I don't think either of those big names fit, uh, but did want to throw those names out. You mentioned the, the hitting Basalo. I don't think that's going to really change anybody drafting wise. You know, even in AL only, they think he's going to be able to hit, but the catching the defensive side may have to wait till May. Um, it's not like anybody was expecting him up in the May, big leagues in May anyway. So he's right. still kind of an AL only option, you know, if, if things were to break your way. The Gunnar Henderson news, Ray, um, it's a strained oblique. I, I sure as hell hope that something that happened that's considered minor in the middle of February is not still with us in April. I, and, and with his youth, I tend to favor mm-hmm. the ability of the body to heal here. He's not going to do anything probably for the next two weeks, maybe longer. I would only be concerned, Ray, if we were to stumble into another injury in the oblique. You know, we see this all the time where a guy takes, you know, two weeks off, three weeks off, he's still in better, and then he jumps into the batter's box. 
And once he jumps into the batter's box, we find out that, oh, maybe he wasn't 100%. Now we got to bring him back in. So that's the difficulty, I think, with Gunnar Henderson is right now we don't have an issue as to, oh, I'm going to drop him in the rankings or, oh, I'm going to avoid Gunnar Henderson. But if something to work to occur in mid-March, March 10th, March 13th, if we hear a reoccurrence of the injury, I think that is the issue. Having some uh, camera difficulties, it appears, with Ray Flowers. He will work on that. We will bring him back in as soon as he's ready to go. Now, the Orioles aren't the only team dealing with some problems. What else do we got? How about Justin Verlander? How about Kinley Jansen? How about JP France? How about Alex Cobb? Um, other guys that, yes, on February 15th are injuries. Injuries on February the 15th. Uh, Verlander with a shoulder says he's behind schedule. Kenley Jansen dealing with lat soreness. Alex Cobb, who no surprise here, but he's not even throwing from the mound yet with his hip injury. And JP France dealing with a shoulder issue and his throwing program has been stalled. Ray, as we got you back here, Verlander's the big name. Mm -hmm. And at his age, with what he knows about his body, the fact that he picked up a baseball in January or February and he said, ugh, didn't feel good. That is a concern here. You're 40, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is not a 20-year-old who came out of the gates in January and wanted to throw 110%. Verlander Ray knows how to build up. He's been doing this for two decades. And the fact that probably in the very early stages of his ramp up, where he's probably throwing at 70%, he's like, doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And with last year, with things that cropped up with him, the Verlander thing, it comes off minor, but it's never minor where he's at in his career at this point. Absolutely not. And, you know, he's 41 next week. Let's give him, let's give him his full age. He's even closer, right? It's, and, you know, we're... He has shown an ability. I mean, he blew his arm out. You replaced the arm ligament. He hasn't had a ton of injuries through his career, obviously, right? The arm is repaired. You tend to think, you know, he's going to work through this, but then, you know, he's 41. So we've dropped him a few spots in the rankings at fantasyguru.com. I, you know, depending upon what we hear in the next couple of weeks, it might, he might go up a couple of spots back to where he was. He might drop some more. Uh, this is one of those scenarios where you can't just say it's Justin Verlander and you can't just say he was good last year. There are concerns yeah. when you're saying, like you're talking about this. He said it himself, you know, my arm's not falling off. It's nothing significant, but it didn't feel right. And how long is it not going to feel right? I don't have an answer to that. And we can't just say that, oh, he throws 170 innings every year. Oh, yeah, I know he threw 160 last year, but the year before. You can't say that when a guy's into his 40s. We just don't know. And, and for what it's worth, Ray, you know, he threw the innings, but they were not nearly as effective yeah. or efficient as the usual. And I'm not, hey, like Ray says, 40. I'm not saying Justin Verlander is a bum. No, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Like, seriously. But, Ray, I mean, you look at these numbers, and he looked like a, a guy who was a superstar, mm -hmm. struggled last year, to his standards. To his standards. Yeah, he was fine to send out there every five days. This was not Zach Greinke going, you know, 2-15 and 15 or whatever the record was. But but Justin Verlander was not his great self. There was a lot less of that. How about we meet there? There was less of the greatness than we're used to seeing. Now we got this injury, and I'm not going to put a do-not-draft tag on him, Ray, but... Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes it easy for me to, to let him be somebody else's problem. And I will just say, and this is ageism at work, and I have been wrong. I wasn't drafting Verlander last year. Mm -hmm. a, a guy gets to 40, Ray, and I hate to say it, but I'm pretty well out. I guess I have that rule. 
Mm-hmm. I, I just don't want to deal with that. Um, but it's worked for people. I mean, I, I was out on Verlander probably at 38, you know, after he, when he blew out his arm in 21, came back in 22. I, I wasn't drafting him in 22. What happened? He was number one. He was the AL Cy Young winner. So I'm not saying I'm perfect with this, but the way I play the game, Ray, a 41-year-old mm-hmm. with a shoulder that's hurting in February, it's very easy for me to say no. Well, and look at it this way. Uh, and take what I'm about to say, because I know people love to take things out of context, but take what I'm about to say for what I'm saying. And what I'm saying is that last year, if you look at the performance of the guy we just talked about, Tyler Wells, Tyler Wells had a better strikeout rate, a better walk rate, and a better whip than Justin Verlander. And not that Justin Verlander wasn't good, but when you take away the strikeout potential, and I think it's very fair to say at this point, Verlander is not the strikeout guy we once thought. Maybe last year's number, which was in the sevens per nine, which is crazy low for Justin Verlander, maybe it gets back up to eight and a half or something like that this year. But that number, you know, really starts to pull back from the elite level, right? Those guys are 10, 11 per nine. If he's at eight and a half and he's throwing 200 innings, cool. If he's at eight and a half and he's throwing 156 innings, we're losing the advantage we normally get with Justin Verlander in the strikeout column as well, not to mention we're shrinking the innings, which shrinks the victory opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, he's – I think it's fair to say that. It sounds dumb, but I think it's fair to say if a guy's 40 years old, I'm downgrading him and maybe not targeting him even if it doesn't work out. Um, as for those other guys, we'll just kind of wait and see. You know, they're not the level of Verlander when you talk about J.P. France or Alex Cobb, Kenley Jansen. It's so early that that we're not going to spend a ton of time on those guys before we get a better read. Uh, we can tell you before we leave the injury portion, the 30-minute injury portion of this show, uh, we can tell you that, and I may never get to say this again, so let's say it now. Jacob deGrom is healthy and throwing. <laughs> like, is there a player out there, Ray, who has more meaningless reports on his status than Jake DeGrom. It's like, who cares? I was, <laughs> I was on the serious show with Jeff Manchester, Elite Sports. It's three to five, Monday through Friday. This week, next week, it goes three to six. So it okay. becomes a three-hour show next week if those people didn't hear the news. Um, I'm on every Wednesday. And we were talking about because we were reviewing 2023, kind of the, Jeff's first look into baseball this year. And we talked about DeGrom. And he said, Ray, you hit a home run with DeGrom. And I said, yeah, I hit a home run with DeGrom last year. <laughs> and I... I am shocked by the fact that there were seven people on the boat of logic yeah. and 900,000 people on the boat of who gives a shit. We're going to take him anyway. Like yeah. I, this DeGrom, he hasn't thrown 95 innings since 2019. Like, and he is even every time he's out there, he's fantastic. Yeah. Like all, just like Kershaw, all through the injuries and everything like that. He's fantastic when he's on the field, he doesn't pitch. Yeah. And the fact that the fantasy space runs their head into the wall at full speed and concusses themselves every year to draft this guy boggles my mind. Yeah. And at at least this year, what what are we looking at? July for his June. Yeah. I mean, and I'm looking at, and I'm not saying draft him. I'm not touching the guy, but the, the, what the, the problem Ray has been this, everybody will say, well, he's awesome when he pitches. Okay. No one's going to disagree, but then they're telling you, you've got to draft him in like the third or fourth round. Craziness. That, that's the problem. There, yeah. uh, guys like him should see a massive discount. Yep. Like, oh, he's really awesome. You're right, totally. You know what else? Seventy-five innings. So you get yeah. seventy-five awesome innings. Where do you draft that? And the problem is, people tell you, oh, you got to get that as an SP one. That's the the total foolhardy thing, Ray. 
is you can't invest that level of, of draft capital in a guy with this background. And, you know, this year will be lower because it might be. But the problem with, oh, he'll be back in June is we've got four months till June. I mean, the odds of him staying healthy in the next four months are 30%. Really, without playing a game, right? <laughs> 30% are the odds that he stays healthy between now and then. And I, I still love the fact that, you know, Jacob deGrom, who I think a lot of people, you know, he started late in his career, right? He got a late start. Jacob deGrom is like a year older, legitimately an entire year older than Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> Like this, he's thirty-five. He'll be thirty-six in June. You're, he'll be turning thirty-six before we see him on a big. He's not young, and again, Degrom is fantastic. But the idea, again, I was befuddled last year. I wrote that column before the season began last year with Degrom, and I it was literally like six hundred words of injury, injury, injury. It's like why? It's just not worth it in the third round. I mean, just take you know Jason Adam or or AJ Puck in round twenty-two. You get the same seventy innings, right? I mean, I and so yeah, I just. At least this year, there's no fervor. Because, like, I'm looking at the projections. Like, Zips has him at 12 starts. Steamer has him at five. At least the projection models are baking mm -hmm. in, finally, the fact that, you know, if this guy pitches at any point this season effectively, it's kind of a bonus. And uh, even guys in real life fall for Jake DeGrom. In fact, the world champions fell for Jake DeGrom. Texas, you know, they gave him money as if he was going to pitch 200 innings for him. Um Every year, not 200 innings over the life of the contract, which I hope he gets more than 200 innings over the life of that contract. 37 million a year. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Hey, hey, they won a title. There you go, Ray. Shove it. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. yeah. They obviously made other decisions that worked out. Um, okay. We will leave the injuries for now, but uh, fear not. We'll be having a lot more injuries over the coming weeks and months. I can guarantee of that. Uh, let's go to our team preview, Ray. Uh, yesterday was Baltimore. Today is Boston as we continue to get you set for the upcoming year. Uh, the Red Sox are a team that uh, were a little bit of a letdown, I think it's fair to say, uh, both last season and in the uh, uh, the uh, offseason here in the Hot Stove League. They haven't done much. Before we get to our four questions and kind of go through prospects and things like that, let's start with our player profile. And there he is, uh, right-hander, youngster, Brian Bayo is uh, how you say it there, Ray. And I, I will say this, Boston has continually given us young pitchers that we've had to get to know. Whitlock, I mean, we're going to talk about some of these guys, Whitlock and Hauk and on and on and on. And most of these guys have missed. None of them have really differentiated themselves. How about that? Uh, is Brian Bayo going to be different in your estimation? Bello is so much more fun to say, though, isn't it? Yeah. Bello versus Bayo. Yeah. Double L is a Y, though. Uh, I don't know the answer to your question. I think that there, and you can see that on the screen there, there are things that Bayo does really well. There's things he's struggling with. And again, that's not surprising. He's a young pitcher. The question is, what adjustments can he make? Because there are a lot of things to like here. Uh, I, he doesn't have a huge strikeout rate, but he offsets that by keeping the walks in check. So that that's a, a certain positive. He's got an extremely high ground ball rate. It's 56% to date. So that, you know, I love that. Get a strikeout. Don't walk a guy. Get some grounders. That's the, the triangular arts of pitching. He sets up well there. But as, as we're discussing there on the screen, he's dominant against right-handed pitching, right-handed batters, excuse me. But against lefties, everyone looks like Bryce Harper. And that's a problem. So he's got to develop a pitch that he can offer to lefties to start to create problems for them because it's very difficult. At least it's the lefties and not the righties as a starting pitcher, right? 
But it's very difficult if you're, you know, basically really good against one side and really bad against the other side to be able to go through a lineup three times and to make 30 starts for a team because the other the opposition knows that and they're just going to load up lineups with lefties against Bayo starting the season. You mentioned the the 30 starts and last year it was 28 and Ray, he is not an expensive guy to get. But when we talk about late in the draft and you're looking for bench starters, mm-hmm. This is a guy who appears to be ready to give you 25 to 30 starts. So that all automatically kind of puts him in a, a different realm. You know, it's not an exclusive realm, but there aren't a load of those guys. Additionally, Ray, the cost is a lot lower. And the other attraction here is the youth, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the fact that maybe there is something learned, there is something improved. So for me, he kind of checks off boxes. I don't have to pay anything for this guy. Um, I can spot start him, or he can always be a guy that I can turn to when the inevitable injuries happen. Um, and additionally, there is still, you know, we're not talking about a 30 year old we're, we're talking, what is he? 25. 25. Yep. This is attractive. I, you mentioned that ground ball rate. That's attractive. That, that is something Ray, that it doesn't lead to greatness in the K category. You know, it's almost impossible to have that great ground ball rate in the high K's, you know, but if I can get, I mean, it's not silly to say he can get eight per nine. That's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, totally. if, if I'm getting six in, if I'm getting a quality start with five Ks and I have a shot at the win, sign me up. That's like the perfect SP6, SP7, Ray. is a guy you can turn to when you're in need. He needs starts. He's got a two-start weeks. You feel like this guy can give you six innings every night. And, and there aren't <laughs> – those guys aren't falling off trees, believe it or not, anymore. Yeah, and you could say that if he fulfills – his expectations he's basically Marcus Stroman yeah which which again it's not let's have a parade but those guys are really useful and you know there's there's been reporting you know since the you know there's been reporting about the fact that he's working on his slider Abeo and you know the idea obviously uh, is that he can hopefully bury the slider in and low to the lefties maybe that caused a little bit of an issue they, they probably want to get him to you know use his change up a little bit more get a little bit more fade to go the other direction from the lefty batters but if he can tweak things subtly and have some more success against left-handed batters, he could settle in, like you're saying, as a, as a 5-6 kind of SP in, in a mixed league because it's very difficult to envision that strikeout rate jumping to the point where he vaults up because you end up being in a zone where you have to be really fine. You know, the, the, you have to be really fine start to start if you're not missing enough bats. Uh, but he's he's certainly got a bright future if he can, you know, add that little wrinkle against left-handed batters, there is a lot to like here on a base level. Uh, the skills are solid. He reminds me a lot, Ray, of uh, Jaime Garcia with the Cardinals, because Jaime Garcia had a lot of ground ball numbers and could give you innings, but he had weird splits, and they were actually reverse splits. Lefties always beat up on Garcia because of his arsenal, and he was always a guy you're like, oh, there's more, or this is going to be the year, and he'd have starts occasionally where it's like seven innings, one run, and you're like, wow, he's figured it out, and then he'd go into a tailspin. And, and Bayo's not there yet. I mean, Garcia got a good five, six years of, okay, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. Bayo's in effect, coming into his second full season. Um, but I love that he's already taken the ball every five days and pitching. I mean, sure, you could have an injury or something. But this is a guy who's going to be a part of this rotation. And he's shown he can make it through a Major League Baseball season. So late in the draft, he is a target for me, um, a guy that costs next to nothing. Um, moving on from the player profile there, Brian Bale, let's go to our four questions for this. I mean, there could be a lot of them. Um, I, I kind of stuck with the pitching side and Ray, I mentioned those names earlier. 
Cutter Crawford, Garrett Whitlock, Tanner Howe. You know, as as often as I change underwear, the, the Red Sox change their plans as to whether these guys are starters or relievers. Like, it's all over the place, I feel like. As of now, I, I guess we're looking at Hauk being more of a starter, um, Crawford starter, and I guess Whitlock, have we given up on the starting thing with him? Is he just a reliever? I guess that's where we're at with him. I mean, I... You have to find the right fit for play in it. You know, it's, it, I say this, I'm not even a Red Sox fan. Right. But it's very frustrating because I think both Hauk and Whitlock have, have been done a disservice and it's a modern day disservice. If it was mm -hmm. 1980, they wouldn't have called these guys up to the big leagues until they were ready to start. And they would have stuck them in the starting rotation. Now what we do, and we see it all over baseball, right. Is we have guys that are starters that get called up because there's a need in the bullpen. There's an injury. They're dominating down in the minors, but come up and give us an inning or two kid. And then they do that. So now how can Whitlock run the bullpen? Well, now we need a starter because one of our starters went down. So now we're going to put you in the start. And they both have filled both roles, you know, and it's, it's tough because you change your pitch mix up, you change your goals up, you change your training regimen up if you're starting or relieving. I think at this point with the injuries and where we're at right now, Whitlock is is looking as, as a starter in the bullpen. So I shouldn't use the word. He's looking as a bullpen arm. Uh, but that would I be surprised if Whitlock made 15 starts this year? No, I, I mean, I wouldn't be. And that's it's really difficult because Whitlock is Whitlock is a tweener right now. And tweeners can have value. I mean, look at what Matt Stram did last year for the Phillies. Those tweeners, they can end up having more value and it, it's not going to cost you anything on draft day. Yeah. Are you investing in how are you know, Crawford, I, I struggle with the, I'd rather have Bayo than any of these guys. I think right now I have, I think I have uh, Crawford one spot ahead of Bayo actually. Okay. Um, but the two of them substantially ahead of Hauk okay. because I, you know, again, Hauk, I think that Hauk has shown the ability to be a league average starting pitcher. Is that what they want? I think if they shifted into the bullpen, I think we could have we could have a Matt Brash kind of thing going on. Like we could have some real success yeah. out of the bullpen. I'd rather see Whitlock start and how can the bullpen right now, but they have it set the different way. And and to stay with this theme, um, from the young guys getting jostled back and forth. Question number two, we talk about a vet getting jostled back and forth. Nick Pavetta. And and you know, that name, Ray, people are like, who cares about Nick Pavetta? Nick Pavetta, um, in the second half last year, we talked about second halves earlier this week on the show. Uh, Nick Pavetta was a monster. Seriously, a monster in the second half. Nick Pavetta was a monster out of the bullpen. Now, Ray, they want to make him a starter. And obviously, I know he, with Philadelphia, he was a starter. And then he mm -hmm. did. He flamed out there. It didn't work. Goes to Boston. They're kind of back and forth. Starter. I mean, they're doing the same thing with Pavetta. But right now, it looks like he's a starter. Whereas last year, the guy looked like a fireman. I, mm -hmm. I mean, like out of the bullpen, he really figured some things out, it appeared. Yeah, it was Mike Marshall, right? Throwing tons of innings out of the bullpen. Uh Mike Marshall, by the way, threw 200 innings out of the bullpen one year for the Dodgers. Uh, Pavetta, the last four seasons he has thrown 150 innings, has 175 strikeouts each year. Mm -hmm. And that gets, you know, not that strikeouts are everything, but the last three seasons with the Red Sox, 175 strikeouts each year. And last year was 183. Uh, I think with Pavetta, you know, the, the problem with Pavetta comes down completely to cost. Is Nick Pavetta likely to throw 150 innings? I think it's fair to say he obviously can't. Can he get 175 strikeouts again in that time frame? Absolutely. What are his ratios going to look like? You know, because last year he had a whip of 1-1-2. And if people look at Pavetta and think he's a 1-1 whip kind of guy and draft him accordingly, let him have him, mm -hmm. right? Because that, that's not who he is. His whip is very likely, as well as his ERA, very likely to be league average, okay? 
So what that means is Pavetta really is a victory strikeout play. He's a volume play versus a ratio play. So for me, that drops him down the ranking substantially because while I'd like to have strikeouts and all that, I can't count on a 100 wins from the Red Sox. We talked about that earlier. So Pavetta is someone that I don't reach for. I'll take him if I need him and it's sitting there and that kind of thing, but I'm not bumping him up to draft him because of the ratio concerns, Kyle. Question number three. We're not done with the pitching yet. Um, They got a new ace in town. Lucas Giolito was added in the offseason. Uh, Ray, I'm not going to say he's free, but he's 86th amongst pitchers. Um, and last season, what was it? Three different teams the year before with the White Sox. It didn't look very good. Um, we're running out of time to reestablish the value of Lucas Giolito. Um, I don't love this landing spot. And I don't think I, I you know, if it, you say, OK, is he going to be good or bad? I, I could actually lean a little more towards bad, but I'm willing to to throw a dart on Giolito. Um, I don't think there's a significant chance of a payoff, but I'm still willing to stick around with this guy. Last season, he got murdered, not only by the movement and the rumors and all that, but Ray, the home run rate was just silly high. Um, it, gosh, just normalizing that would make mm-hmm. him a, a much more worthwhile pitcher. Yeah, and if you look at ADP right now in the month of February over at the NFBC, Pavetta is going like 50 spots ahead of Giolito in the ADP. Wow. I'm not doing that. I'm taking Giolito. Because I think, really, if we're being safe and we're being just baseline with it, they're the same guy. So I'm saving 50 picks. Now, Giolito, I think, as a baseline is the same guy, I think he's got the ability to transcend that and to improve. He found a mechanical issue. I totally okay. So he's been working on dealing with that. If everything stays the same, and it, it's hard, it gets lost because of all the disaster last year. Dude had 204 strikeouts last year, mm-hmm. right? His strikeout rate was basically the same as it's been. It didn't, it dipped just a little bit. It's basically the same. So we're looking at a guy who does throw innings, who does produce strikeouts. And Kyle's totally right. I mean, his home run rate per nine innings was two. That's just, that's, that's stupid. Like, that's just stupid. So that number comes down and even it's going to be high because he's a fly ball guy. It dips to one, four. Guess what? His ERA, we just cut a half run off his ERA. Boom. Easy. Yeah. No problem. Maybe more. Right. And you see that reflected last year. Like his expected ERA was four, six, which is lower. Uh, his Sierra last year was 4-2, which is lower than his raw ERA. So I think that Giolito is well worth taking a gamble on. His ADP is in the 225 range, right around Bayo. Uh, I'm in on, on, on Giolito at that price point. Fourth question on the Red Sox. Um, reigniting the hype. Um, Von Grissom last year really hyped. Now he's with Boston. Jaron Duran, a couple of years ago, that was an exciting guy, call up. And, oh, Jaron Duran's going to be Jacoby Ellsbury. He hasn't really gone that way. Um, and even Tyler O'Neill, who's a newcomer, Ray. A couple of years ago, it's like, oh, Tyler O'Neill, he's a top 20 outfielder. 2020, hit you 30 home runs. Reigniting the hype on these three guys. This is kind of what Boston's doing to an extent is, is just, you know, seeing if they can find something and maybe flip it or mm-hmm. see if they can give these young guys a little more leash. Of those three, who do you think gets closest to the hype of uh, months or years gone past? I can't say O'Neill, and you've seen him for years in St. Louis. Like he's, he's Mr. Muscle and all that, but I, there's just been too many injuries. He's only 28, and he's got the ability to go 30 home runs, steal 20 bags, but I, I really struggle to get there with him at this point. Hopefully I'm wrong because he'll be dirt cheap on draft day. Mm-hmm. Duran and Grissom are much more intriguing to me. Uh, Duran likely to bat leadoff which is a, is a huge bonus. Uh, I think then he's someone that I've written about extensively at fantasyguru.com over the years. And, you know, is he a 295 hitter like last year? No. Is he an 828 whip OPS guy? 
yeah, that's pushing it. But I do know he can run. I do know that he can steal bases. He had 24 of them last year. I think he's a legit 15-25 kind of player. And there's potential that, that it's 15-35, right? Like he's he's more speed than power, though he has learned to lift the ball a little bit as he's aged. So I really like him a lot. And Grissom, too. I, Grissom is, again, it depends where – a lot of this might depend on where in the country you draft. Because if you're on the East Coast, Grissom's going to get a lot of hype. If you're in the middle of America – it's the Red Sox are not very good. Maybe you and your friends hate the Red Sox that are on ESPN every night. And, you know, it's one of those things. But Grissom's got the ability to, to basically do what I just described for Duran. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that it depends infield, outfield, eligibility, what you're looking for. I would say Duran's my favorite, Grissom second, O'Neill third. I, I might go Grissom as my favorite here uh, because of that eligibility. But also the, the fact of the matter, Ray, I think he's just more of a hitter than, he's, than he's somebody like Jared Duran is. Um, minor leagues, I mean, he's hit 320 in the minors his ops is 880 in the mi- now again this is minor leagues but he's shown he can hit you know i i don't think jaron duran has a 320 average in the minors with an 880 or uh, ops i don't think maybe Ray can, but i i think whenever you're kind of guessing i'll go with the guy who's shown the bat and still has the speed so grissom would be my choice there um in terms of additions we mentioned o'neill mentioned giolito uh, obviously Grissom, those were probably the big additions for the Red Sox. Uh, prospects, there is a big one to know here, Ray. Uh, Marcelo Mayer, uh, a shortstop, who has, he still has the um, the attraction, the hype, the ranking. The minor league numbers are not going to scream superstar, like, wow, watch out for this guy. But everybody who watches him and was kind of enamored with him a couple of years ago in the draft is still enamored with him. He plays shortstop, so there's kind of that value proposition. Um, he's in effect, Ray, kind of backing up Trevor's story, which means he could very easily be in the big leagues. But mm-hmm. for those, even in mixed leagues, if you're going like 30 rounds, that's not the worst stash there. Um, if you if you stay out of the game of you know Jackson Holiday or Chirio and those guys, Marcelo Mayer is, is maybe just a spot below those guys, still considered like a top 10, top 15 prospect. Yeah, I'm looking at MLB Pipeline right now. They've got him at 15th overall. Okay. Uh, and I think that Mayor, you described it well. He could fall into playing time because there's a need. He could fall into playing time because he earns it. Uh, he's fully expected to see the big leagues this year at some point. We'll, we'll see what the role is. He's not uh, in opposition to the guys we were just talking about, like Grissom. He's not that guy. He's got no stolen base potential. He's yeah. not that guy. He, he's a little bit bigger. Uh, he's more of that not Cal Ripken, but more that type of offensive player, right guy with power. And they'll look to use his, his strong hit tool. He's going to hit and everyone's pretty confident in that. And it's just a matter of when he'll be given the opportunity to give it a shot. And his defense is something people rave about. So it's like you put him at shortstop and defensively you should be set. And and where this team is right now, I don't think it would be a surprise at all that he's up with this team come May. You know, if story gets injured or something else were to happen, I, I think mayor could be right up and you could even see, you know, Trevor Story could move around the diamond. Trevor Story could be over at first base or third base if things were to happen, and maybe they make room for Mayor. So it is going to be uh, – uh, we'll, we'll see him this year. I, I don't think there's any doubt. It's just a matter of when. And so, again, depending on league size and such, you might be interested there. Uh, Ray, to wrap it up on the Red Sox, take a chance on whom? We just said the name, Von Grissom. Let's Me go. Too. I got Let's the go. same guy, Ray. Take a chance. Now, let's see if we got the same guy for pass on whom. Nick Pavetta? No. 
my real pass on guy is I want to say Tyler O'Neill. That's and, mine. Yeah. Okay. Well, see, <laughs> that's a thing for you, Ray. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it's like Von Grissom. Let's look at it. Von Grissom's ADP is like two thirty-five right now, so he's rather inexpensive. Uh, what's O'Neill at? O'Neill's free. I mean, I can't. Even, what is O'Neill? Oh my God, look, I can't even find him right here because there's a stupid. I can hunt down Tyler, Tyler O'Neill's two twenty, so he's right about the exact same spot. So, you know, if I'm taking Grissom or O'Neill, basically at the same price point, give me Grissom all day. I, I, O'Neal, O'Neal is kind of in Byron Buxton land, right? It's like, yeah, it could be, but the dude just can't stay on the field. Yeah, there, there are so many guys around O'Neal I'd rather have. Like, literally. Um, Newt Bar, Quan, maybe even Barsho, Marte, Gurriel, Taylor Ward, Rengifo, like all these guys. Yeah. I'd rather take a shot on over Tyler O'Neill. So... He will be the guy I pass on tomorrow on the show. We will take a look at the Chicago White Sox, another team that is certainly in the retool mode. Uh, might even do more retooling before we get to April. They might uh, make some moves, but we'll uh, hit on the White Sox coming up tomorrow on the show. Uh, Ray, let's go to third base. We have been profiling that position uh, throughout the week. And today I want to profile a name that if you pull up ADP or really any rankings, uh, Ray, where, where is Royce Lewis in your third base rankings for this season? He is in the third tier, which puts him at 10th at third base at the moment. A little lower, I think, than some people have him. Um, and maybe that leads into uh, where you stand on Royce Lewis. I think that is a name, and they are in every single draft year. February and March, people you know grab the Fantasy Guru draft guide, or they start listening to us or other spots, and they're like, Oh, I'm hearing this name. I didn't know that guy was that good. There's all like, is he really that good? And that name, Ray, I think is going to be Royce Lewis. And and it doesn't help that you're up in Minnesota, you know, and kind of in the forgotten land. It also doesn't help that last season, it was kind of a um, August, September thing for Royce Lewis. So a lot of people had checked out maybe by that point. Uh, Ray, we're seeing 70 career games. He's really young. He's always been a prospect. Like, he's got that pedigree. The problem is, Ray, he was supposed to be in the big leagues by, like, 2020. <laughs> he interviewed <laughs> him back then for serious, yeah. right? Yeah. For the he was supposed show. to be here in 2020. It took a little longer. As you can see on the graphic there, he was the number one overall pick in 2017. That means in three years you should be up. And, Ray, it's not because he wasn't any good. It's because the dude has a little bit of DeGrom in him. You know, he just cannot stay on the field. And that is why we've got a guy who is much older than you would think. And he still has just 70 games, but they've been 70 really good games for Royce Lewis. Turns 25 in June, which to Kyle's point is old for a player of his skill set and obviously draft cost. Uh, and I highlighted the word constant, put it in all caps. And that's been the issue. Uh, you know, it, there, there was a little bit of surprise when he was drafted first overall. Some people thought he should have been five or something like that. But basically, I think the Twins determined that this guy is a high-character player. He's a leader. We want him. And he hasn't performed at any anything other than that level of player, which has been the issue with him. Because it's like every time we start getting excited about him, it seemed like there was another injury. And you look at his minor league numbers, 300, 300, 300, home runs, stealing bases. Like he's he's performed as expected. But – He's finally gotten to the big leagues. The question now is, can he obviously stay in the big leagues? Is he going to be able to stay healthy? And, you know, the 70 games, you know, you, you give him 150 games at that pace. I mean, look at the numbers there, folks. He's hitting 300 with 35 home runs and 120 RBIs. Like, <laughs> you know, and don't forget, as I noted there as well, he had four home runs in six playoff games. So it looks like he's clutch. Like, 
that you couldn't start your career much better than he has. But like you're saying, it's 70 games. And you said DeGrom, I'd say Byron Buxton, same team. Yeah. That's the concern. It's like if he stays healthy, could he go 2015 this year? Absolutely. Could he go 3015 this year? I think he could. But how many games is he going to play? So 10th at third base. Um, I'm trying to kind of guess where that put you in the overall picture of a draft. Um, you know, where you're going. Because you're going to have to drop draft Royce Lewis as your starting third baseman. He's you know, sixth you're gonna... right now in the NFBC, by the way, at third. Sixth. sixth, okay. And then well, overall, he's like 49th. Yeah. See, right, that's that's a high price. Early fifth round, late fourth. That That's mm-hmm. that's the problem I've got with Royce Lewis is I, I need more than 70 games and I need a better health, health history to be taking you in the first four rounds. I mean, that, that's just crazy high in my book. Now, it's worth noting, Ellie De La Cruz, who can play third base in your fantasy league, you know, he's played about, what, 90 games, I guess, and people are drafting him. But Ellie De La Cruz does not have near the, the history, if you will, of Royce Lewis. And, and with the Twins, right, you've mentioned Buxton. We've brought up Karoloff before, how he's always injured. Uh, Carlos Correa is playing with a bum ankle. You know, it's, it's like you start wondering with the Twins, do they know what they're doing with all these injuries and how to get these guys back? I I am entranced and enticed by the talent, Ray, and, and some of the things you mentioned, but that price tag is just way too high. I mean, it's, gosh, it's, and he's kind of on his own island in that ADP. There's no other third baseman between about 30 and 60 except for Royce Lewis. And, and I think it's a really dangerous pick. If you're if you're well, taking him in that fourth round or fifth round, the the reason people are doing it obviously is if he stays healthy, and that's that you have to decide how you're going to draft. I am of the opinion that the majority of the time, the if this happens, player is not something you take in the first five rounds of a draft, right? That's something you take in the fifteenth round of a draft or the twentieth round of a draft. And I think that's you can see in the ADP here at the NFBC, the determination of the group is that um, we're going to play the upside game. We're going to go yeah. for the thirty twenty season and hope it happens. Versus Machado, who's right behind him, Bregman and Arenado. In our rankings at FantasyGuru.com, it's flipped. Because mm-hmm. I'm taking the stability. I know Alex Bregman is going to go out there and do it. I know exactly what Alex Bregman is going to do. I know exactly what Manny Machado is going to do. And I'm pretty confident that the back issue with Arenado is going to allow him to go 30-100, right? I, I know what I'm getting with those guys. Are they as sexy or dynamic as Lewis? No way. Mm-hmm. Could Lewis blow all of them out of the water in fantasy value? Absolutely. But what are the odds of that happening? Do you want to take the 150 games of success or do you want to throw the lottery chip and people throw the lottery chip? And and Ray, we, we talked Buxton. We've talked DeGrom. I think Giancarlo Stanton's always been here too. This argument that, well, when they're healthy, they, they will earn this back. And it's right. But most of the time, when you're talking high-end draft capital, and that's where Royce Lewis is right now, fourth round. Yep. When it's high-end draft capital, it's been our experience. These guys don't usually pay off over, over multiple years and multiple drafts. Now a single solitary year. Yes. So if that's the game you want to play. That's fine. And no single player is going to make or break your season. So if you draft Royce Lewis in the, in the fourth round, and let's say he only plays 40 games, you're not ruined. I will say that, Ray, because we have 25 man rosters and there are other hits you'll find later guys off the waiver wire trades, whatever it is. But he is one of those highly volatile risk-reward players, right? We have him every year, and, and he is absolutely one where I think he can go one of two ways. 
<laughs> he plays 50 games or he plays 150, Ray. And, and you're going to get he's the best third baseman in baseball or like second. Or he was another bum pick, and my God, I got burnt again by injuries. Yeah, and again, if you wanted, if you want to discount the rankings of FantasyGuru.com and say I'm going to take Lewis ahead of Alex Bregman, I totally fine with that. Again, I've admitted that if things go yeah. the way they can, Lewis will end up with a better season. The problem is if you do that, you have to be cautious about how the rest of your draft goes. You can't then take Mike Trout in the next round, and you can't take Abel Jimenez three rounds later. You can't. Mm-hmm. You have to be smart about how you construct your team. So, if you're drafting Lewis. I think it's, let's say, what, 125, 30 games is what you should be hoping for, right? It could be 150, but let's hope for that because his track record tells us that even 130 is really pushing it. So we have to be careful how we construct our team behind him. We can't be adding other players that are also having an outlook of 130 games, too. We have to be smart about how we put the team together. Yeah. What, what you do, and, and people hate hearing this, but what you do early can, I don't want to say dictate, but it really emphasizes what you do late. Uh, you know, how early you go on pitching or what, you know, if you ignore relievers or whatever, and, and you get into those round 20s and we all have our, our flyers and things we want to do, but you really need to pay attention to, well, what did you end up with early and where do you need to uh, support? And and if I've got Royce Lewis, honestly, you better have another good third baseman behind him. Like that would be one thing, Ray. And, and I've said this a lot with guys like, you know, we, we'd said this a lot with DeGrom. Okay, you want to draft DeGrom, do it. You better not think you have your SP1. If you were drafting DeGrom two, three years ago, you, you need to be getting another pitcher early on as well, mm-hmm. okay? And with Lewis, Ray, it's the same argument. It's fu- Okay, go ahead and draft him if you want. You, you better have a good backup third baseman. I, I think that is that would be my my absolute do it. If you're going to do Lewis, you got to get the good backup third baseman, which means you're probably drafting two of the top 15 third basemen overall in your league. Yeah, and, it, you know, it, most leagues, I think, at this point have corner and middle infielders. I know some still don't. So, you know, if you have corner and middle infielder, you can always draft a guy and play him anyway. So it's not like it's totally redundant. You could also go the route of taking a guy like Alec Baum, who qualifies at first base and third. So it's like, okay, I've got my backup at third, but I also have a guy at first. So, again, it's about constructing that team and how you put it together. But I agree with Kyle. It would be a mistake for you to draft Royce Lewis and have no third base options. Unless you're in a league where, you know, your wave wire's got Eugenio Suarez and Matt Chapman and Ryan McMahon because they're just not drafted in your setup. But you have to be cautious of, of, you know, running into the fact that you might end up with the DJ LeMay who's of the world on your team late because you needed to have a, a backup support for these. We will uh, finish up third baseman for the week tomorrow. Uh, hit you with some prospects, maybe run you through the ADP at that position on a Friday. Uh, moving along, Ray's Fantasy Guru Draft Guide is out. It's available. It can be grabbed right at this very moment. Use that FSD20 promo code to get it for $40, as well as the year coverage to follow. Uh, Ray, we spotlight an article, spotlight a stat, whatever it may be each and every day on the show. Today, launch angle is what has your interest. Um, Launch angle, Ray, is, uh, I don't want to say it's newfangled. It's been around with us for a good 15 years, but I hear more and more about it. That and exit velocity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are two things, I guess, if we know the launch angle and we know the exit velocity, we're like 98% sure of where the ball is going to end up, I think. I, I don't know if that's how accurate it is, but this is one of those things, Ray, that certainly tells you um, if a guy is aiming for the fences or if a guy is a fly ball hitter or if he's more of a line drive or ground ball guy, uh, give us the review and the rundown on the importance of launching. Yeah, I'll tell folks that over at fantasyguru.com, we've got an article that dives into this whole thing. And you could, you want to say, Ray, if the guy's a 30% launch angle, what happens? Well, listener, you know what? He hits 399 with a 674 Woba. 
it's in the article, right? So make sure that you read the article because we're not going to bog people down with tons of numbers <laughs> here on the show. Uh, basically, and you can see it there on the screen, I've kind of grouped the, the levels of launch angle into buckets, right? Less than 10% are ground ball guys, 10 to 25% are line drives, 25 to 50% are fly ball. Now, ideally, and you'll see that there too, the league average is thir about 13% year after year. That's about where we're at. Uh, and ideally, you kind of want to be in that 15 to 20% range. Now, there are players that are at 11% that are great. There are players that are at 18% and are terrible, right? So it's not <laughs> just, it's not, I'm just saying in an ideal scenario, if everything else comes together here, and you can see why on the screen, when you're in that 15 to 20% range in terms of your launch angle, look at the numbers. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit at least 500 if you're hitting the ball Maybe. and the screws in that. And it's just, it's a, it's a great place to be. You know, you have a 35% launch angle last season, you hit 243. So there, there is something to be said for narrowing down, if possible, the consistency with which you're at with your launch angle. Uh, there's some you know, general baselines again there for what if you're looking at a guy and you see Vladimir Guerrero at 9%, well, that's, that's at ground ball level, which is, again, one of the problems he's always had, even though he had the one big home run season, consistently hitting 40 home runs. It's not about how hard the, the ball is hit by Vladimir Guerrero. It's that he doesn't elevate the ball enough. So that's something to, to take a look at with players. We talked about Brian Hayes earlier this week. He doubled his launch angle up to like 13%. So now he's in the happy zone. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's it's a good starting point to see if a player is changing what they're doing. And it's also a good starting point to see what should our expectations be if there's a continuation of what we're seeing going on. It's kind of wild. You can't hit a home run if you're 15 degrees or lower. I guess you can't. <laughs> hard. You can, but it's hard. Yeah. Well, nobody did it last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you get to 20%, you've, you know, gone up to six and a half percent of the time. You'll look yeah. over the wall. So pretty wild. I think those average numbers are just crazy. Like, you know, 15 to 20%, you're a 700 hitter, frankly. Yeah. yeah. Right? 600, I guess. 600. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild to see like just that range. And if somebody could just do it and do it and do it. Maybe we'll get a 400 hitter at some point. <laughs> Baseball's tough, man. It's and, and that's why right, we always chuckle um, because we'll hear these stories in spring training. We'll hear them early in the season. Guys who've concentrated on lifting the ball or mm -hmm. you know hitting the ball at a different angle, and yep. and within that moment, because it's always written about guys who are doing well. And and Ray, it sounds easy. And you've even said it before. Why doesn't everybody do that? <laughs> right, right. Because it just ain't easy. And, and you can emphasize it and you can work on it. And maybe it works for a while. But, Ray, to sustain that is so difficult. Um, yeah. and, and nobody says, oh, I worked on my launch angle. I felt real good. And then I hit 210. You know, it happens all the time. We it only hear the success stories. Yeah. The angle and the work. Yeah. And, and you'll, you'll hear people say that, oh, we worked on this. Everyone's excited. And then we're in, you know, late May and it's not working. The player's like, I'm screwed. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I don't know what my swing's all jacked up. You know, it's like, so it's, it's difficult because remember, you know, no matter what, where you're at, whether you're a 10% guy or a 25% guy, you've gone to the major leagues being that guy. Yeah. Right. And now we're trying to subtly change things. You know, hitting 93 in the in the cage off the fastball or hitting 81 mile an hour sliders in the cage is totally different than going to the mat, you know, going to the plate. And now it's a slider, it's a fastball, it's a cutter, it's a changeup. Like it's you know, it's so that's that's another part of this too, that you make the change and are there unforeseen consequences of that? Do you spiral mm -hmm. out? Do you, you know, you're you're a 10% guy, you worked all off season, now you're at 18%. Now the games start going. Now, you know, for this month we're at 18 and this month we're at nine. It's like you're all over the place. 
it's tough to make swing changes. And a lot of guys are very reluctant to do so because, again, you got to the big leagues doing one thing. How willing are you to really drastically overhaul your swing once you've reached the big leagues? Yeah, good point. Uh, column is up in the Fantasy Guru Draft Guide, one of dozens that you can uh, take a reading of. And, uh, again, Ray will be updating his rankings uh, this afternoon. So we'll get fresh rankings and find out where he's going to put Guys like Bradish, guys like John Means. Maybe there's a drop of Justin Verlander. That's all coming up in the draft guide. When you have that, automatically updates, right, Ray? I mean, people have yeah. it and they get it. Yeah. Uh, and people ask this. During the season, it's the first of every month. So May 1st, June 1st, July 1st, August 1st, September 1st. I redo the entire rankings. Okay. But in the preseason, I'll do them every day if necessary. Someone asked me the other day, oh, I have a draft. and I'm, I, uh, If there's a, a big impact situation that occurs, I will update the rankings in that 24-hour period. So as Kyle said, by the end of the day, absolutely, we'll have all these new situations locked into the rankings at fantasyguru.com. A few other quick hitters. We're up against the clock, but uh, sounds like Philadelphia and Zach Wheeler working on a contract extension. They want to keep him. Uh, turns out Whit Merrifield is still wanting to play baseball and is uh, saying he's going to have a decision this week. So we'll wait to see on Whit Merrifield. Uh, maybe he can land in a spot where there might be some playing time. His old teammate, Mike Moustakis, got a minor league deal with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, Toronto is pretty well going full-blown competition at second base. Ray Kevin Biggio, Isaiah, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and Santiago Espinal. Does that competition excite you? No, uh, it does not. <laughs> I guess we could hope Biggio could get it because, you know, he, he could go 2010, 2015. Those other guys don't really have much pop. But at this point in time, no, because don't you get the sense that they'll kind of mix and match anyway? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think anybody wins it and takes 145 starts. Yeah. I don't think that's happening. Uh, this one was interesting. The Pirates are supposedly pretty deep into discussions with the Marlins about Edward Cabrera. Marlins have a lot of pitching, Ray. We know mm -hmm. that. Pirates don't have enough. Mm -hmm. uh, Cabrera's a big arm, but Cabrera's a big risk. Um, I, I, I drafted him. I was in a best ball last weekend, and he was like, best ball? Hell, sign me up for Edward mm -hmm. Cabrera. Because I, I in best ball, Ray, I don't care when he sucks because he's not going to count against right, me right and when he's good he can be dynamite so like he's awesome in best ball in other setups he's a major headache and maybe pittsburgh is looking for headaches who knows i think it, it would be great to see him get an opportunity to stay healthy and make 28 30 starts he's got a dynamic arm maybe hearing you know something different in his ear would help him unleash that potential the problem for me is how many guys go to pittsburgh and figure it out that hasn't been something that usually the guys leave pittsburgh and figure it out so you know it, it wouldn't be bad to get him in a new spot, but uh, he's a dynamic talent. He just got to learn to control the strikes on something he's really struggled with. So we'll see if anything comes of that. If they were to give up Cabrera, I would think uh, the Pirates would be giving up a pretty decent hitter yeah, going back in the other direction. We've talked about the Marlins. They need hitting. So uh, we'll have to see maybe what the move is that the uh, Pirates make if, if that trade's going to happen. Quickly on the football side, it's it's moving season now, which means uh, you know you start to hear reports of who's moving on or not invited back. Season's over. San Francisco fired their D coordinator, Steve Wilkes, which, Ray, he was there for a year. The defense was pretty good. Maybe it wasn't great, but uh, you lose the Super Bowl and things change, I guess. <laughs> well, again, there was a lot been made about Shanahan calling a timeout because he, I guess, didn't like the defensive look they had late in the game. But, you know, it's – I don't know. I mean, someone asked me in Discord yesterday, what do you think? And it's like, I'm not riled up about it. I'm also not thinking it was needed. Yeah, that's usually a personality thing, yeah. I think, Ray. It just didn't fit. Um, which happens, you yeah. know, they made it through a year. They said, okay, well, 
you know, your, your system or your ideas are a little different than ours. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fine. Not, we're not saying you suck or anything. It just doesn't fit with the way we want to run it as an organization. Um, it happens. It's, it's, it's kind of weird when it's a Super Bowl team, yeah. they're known for their defense, but right. it truly happens. So nothing gigantic there. Cleveland, um, there was a report that the Browns really are unable, uninterested, maybe that's the term, in Joe Flacco. He's like, see, and and I get it from this aspect, right? He's, what did he play, for a million bucks last year? If he's coming back at his age, he wants a lot more money. Right. They don't have money. Right. And secondarily, Ray, honestly, if you're Cleveland, you don't want a capable backup. (laughs) Because Deshaun Watson, you don't want week two, Ray, like he had a bad week one and At halftime of week two, they've got three points and everybody's screaming for Joe Flacco because that yeah. is absolute. It sets up a, a major distraction. And so even beyond the money and the age, Ray, if I were Cleveland, I'd be making the same. They can't have a capable backup to Deshaun Watson because it's way too much of a distraction with that team. Well, there's also the fact that stylistically they're different quarterbacks too, right? And they're changing the OC and they're making moves in the coaching staff. So yeah, I, it's weird on the surface because it's like, oh, bring this guy back. But yeah, like you're saying if you want six million bucks and they're already paying 45 for you know Watson or whatever, it's like, eh. So yeah, it would be a nice story if he went back there. I guess he'll go somewhere. I love that I read a blurb that said he's looking to start next year. More power to a team that signs Joe Flacco to be their starter. We're gonna lead the league in interceptions in 2024 if that's the case. But uh well, yeah, I guess who would be a who would be a team that <laughs> I guess if Washington were to totally screw up the draft, maybe they want Joe Flacco as their QB. The Jets, when Aaron Rodgers gets hurt or decides to quit, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's a. I I, I would suggest that you never want to add or sign the comeback player of the year the year after he's the comeback I player. Think that's a good year. call. That, yeah. That's probably the way I'm rolling it. Um, okay, that'll do it for today's edition of Fantasy Sports Daily. Uh, tomorrow, a lot more baseball. Uh, White Sox third baseman, hopefully no more Oriole injuries, and some racing. Rich Moleto is going to talk Daytona 500 with us on Friday. Uh, Ray, have a wonderful Thursday. Get to those rankings, and uh, we'll check in tomorrow. Sounds good, Kyle. Thanks. One and only Ray Flowers there. We appreciate all of you joining us today. Catch you on Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here at FSD, powered by FantasyGuru.com.